Good morning. It is Monday, August 28th, and this is the Commuter Devotional. My name is Chuck, and I'm so glad that you have decided to join us today as we seek to engage our God in Scripture and prayer before the busyness of our day begins. I trust that you had a great weekend and spent an awesome Sunday together with God's people, enjoying worship, hearing the word preached, possibly taking the Lord's Supper together. And now here we are on Monday, ready to start our week and be Christians out in the world, ambassadors for our God. We come to God's word today expectantly, hoping to hear from him. So let's do that now. Let me read our passage for us today. I'll pray. And then we'll dive right into it. This is Esther chapter 2, verses 19 through 23. Now, when the virgins were gathered together the second time, Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate. Esther had not made known her kindred or her people as Mordecai had commanded her. For Esther obeyed Mordecai just as when she was brought up by him. In those days, as Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate, Bigthan and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs, who guarded the threshold, became angry and sought to lay hands on King Ahasuerus. And this came to the knowledge of Mordecai, and he told it to Queen Esther, and Esther told the king in the name of Mordecai. When the affair was investigated and found to be so, the men were hanged on the gallows, and it was recorded in the book of Chronicles in the presence of the king. Let's pray together. Lord, as we begin this week, this work week, today, this Monday morning, Father, we need your presence to be with us. Lord, bring your spirit to fill us, to give us energy. We have poured ourselves out. And even after a weekend of so-called rest for some of us, we need your help today. Father, help us not to be groggy or grumpy or agitated this morning, but to engage our workplace and the people around us with love, whether it be dropping the kids off at school, whether that be driving downtown to work, or whether that be interacting with customers who are as uncaring and as grumpy as we are tempted to be. Father, help us to be your ambassadors today. As we look at your word in Esther, Lord, be with us. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, we're finishing up chapter two of Esther today, and now this is kind of the part of the book where the introduction will wrap up and the climax will start to begin starting Wednesday. In this part of the book, we find out that the virgins are gathered for the second time, and commentators are unsure of what this means. It probably means that King Ahasuerus' lusts and cravings were overflowing, and he was just gathering together a second group to defile. Not the best way of setting up today's devotion. But Queen Esther is living in the palace, and we see that she is obedient to Mordecai, even though their roles have been reversed. She's the queen She's in command in Susa, and yet she still listens to Mordecai. We're told that Esther was obedient from her youth in her upbringing to Mordecai. And what an example of obedience and respect for her parents and authority. But in our story, Mordecai is close to Esther. He's hanging around the palace, and he overhears Big Thin and Teresh, possibly whispering loudly or possibly trying to find a compatriot in Mordecai in this plot to overthrow the king. And I want us to put ourselves in Mordecai's shoes. Mordecai is a Jew living in Susa. His daughter, more or less, is taken, defiled, made queen. His people are still oppressed. He's too afraid to tell people that he's Jewish. And it's all to satisfy the lusts and cravings of this King Ahasuerus. If two men were talking about assassinating or laying hands on the king, you think that they would find a sympathetic fear in Mordecai. But instead, he chooses a different path. He decides to tell Esther, who tells the king, and the king records it in his book of Chronicles. And the two men are hanged. 
As we look at just the facts of this story, Mordecai makes an overwhelming choice to do something good, despite the fact that he is surely tempted to not do so. He could have just kept his mouth closed and nothing would have happened, but perhaps out of fear that Esther would have went down with him, or maybe just because he felt that it was a, the wrong thing to do to kill the king, he lets his knowledge be heard. Now, if you are in a situation where someone saves your life, you think you would tell everyone about it. I know this would happen to me. If somebody saved my life and then I were to introduce that person to somebody else, I think the first thing I would say is, hi, this is Tom. He's the one who saved my life. But notice that King Ahasuerus doesn't really do anything with this information except punish Big Than and Teresh. He simply records it in his book of Chronicles and it goes on record and it gets put away. So now as we look at this passage and we try to apply it to our lives, well, one thing for sure stands out, that we are called as Christians to do good when good presents itself. When our conscience tells us to do something, we must obey. Paul tells us this in the New Testament. We aren't to get mixed up in plots that clearly are for evil. And secondly, we are to do them without them really being acknowledged. It's not at this point that Mordecai rises to this kind of glowing character in the citadel, in, in Susa. King Azorus simply just writes it down and puts it away. There is no recognition for Mordecai. And as Christians, we don't do it because we seek appreciation. We don't do it because we seek recognition. We do good in order to obey God. My friends, as we go to our workplaces today, as we engage the world, how will you do good today? As Christians, it's what we're called to do. It's how we love God. As we close this devotion, I want to pray today for global missions like we do on Mondays. Today, we pray for the Harange Oromo people of Ethiopia. When we pray for these people groups, maybe you might get the temptation to think, oh, this is just some small little village in Ethiopia. I want you to know that the Harange Oromo people in Ethiopia are a group of six million people. They're traveling nomads, looking for water and food for their cattle. And almost all of them are Islamic. Six million people. Let's pray for them. Our Father in heaven, as we close out this devotion and we begin our day now, we ask that your word takes root powerfully in us. As your people, we want to do good in the world on your behalf. We want to be your instruments of goodness to others. Lord, do we think of passages like, when your son said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Lord, help us to do that today. Help us to love one another as opportunity presents itself, to love our neighbors, to be your ambassadors in a world that desperately needs you. Father, when we think about the example of Esther and Mordecai in this passage, we know that we regularly seek recognition and affirmation for our goodness. But Father, let your name be glorified, not ours. We echo the words of John the Baptist that you must increase and we must decrease. It is not our name that we want the Harange Oromo people to remember in Ethiopia. It's yours. So Lord, we pray for your missionaries and your workers there on the ground trying to minister to these people. These people travel from place to place seeking water and cattle. And their biggest need isn't either of those things. It's you, Father. This group of six million people who do not know you. Father, I ask that you would send missionaries and send workers to evangelize these people, to show them their need for Jesus, to show them how gracious and loving of a God you are. 
but also how much you demand a response. Help them to respond and call your people out from the Harange Oromo people in Ethiopia. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Go in peace. I will see you on Wednesday.